0: this is a podcast from the queen city podcast network hello everyone my name is logan and that of course means you are listening to another episode of the crown cast and it's a wednesday crown cast and things are going to be a little bit different today Uh, they're going to be a little bit different because i have special guests and i have special guests whose voices you might have heard before if you are a big fan of podcasts about the charlotte fc uh we've met them in the in the media box we've seen them down by the field you might have heard their voices talking to all sorts of people around the club I have first and foremost Nick Finelli. hello Nick hey how you doing Logan I am doing well and I have Eli hello Eli
1: hey Logan how you doing uh
0: you guys run the CLTFC podcast and you have been so great as to uh grace our show today so thank you very much for being on
1: thank you for having us
0: yeah, very excited. We uh, we have lots of cool stuff to talk about as far as you guys are concerned. Because, Nick, you actually went to Toronto uh, to see this most recent Toronto match. And I want you to know I am supremely jealous. Uh, I, I think that you've had an opportunity most people would have been super happy to see. And we're going to ask you all about it towards the later end of the show. Are you good with that? Yeah, sounds good. All right, so if, if you fans out there want to hear what it was like to actually be in the 45 mile an hour gust of winds, you're going to have to wait till the end uh, where all the good stuff is. First, we are going to talk about the fact that we get one point on the road to Toronto. And we do this every time. Every single time someone comes on the show, we, we make them a part of the Crowncast family. Uh, you know, that family out there that all corporations are. Uh, the crown cast corporation family nick i'm going to start with you would you be willing to give us a crown for a performance you saw uh at toronto
2: yeah i i definitely want to give a crown to harrison harrison awful i felt like he had a tough challenge and uh he was step for step uh you know occasional times you're going to get some some areas where you're not going to be able to be matched up but uh, he was, uh, you know, with Bernadeschi, he was just really on him, you know, like a glove most of the match. So I felt like his impact kept a lot of Toronto's momentum from getting it to him and, and making stuff happen. Of course, he had the Olympico, but, um, you know, that's that's not his coverage there. And it may have been on the other corner that, uh, well, she did something different. But for the most part, I felt like he, he gets my crown.
0: I think that's actually a really good shout out. Uh, I think a lot of people will say he probably didn't perform that well in this match. And if you look at the sort of general ratings for players out there, you can often tell how dead a duel was, how really nobody was getting the upper hand over anybody by looking at the player's performance from the opposing position. And if you look at Bernadeschi, who I think everyone will agree is a spectacular player, um, and you look at Harrison Awful. Harrison Offal got one of the lowest ratings on our team at a six point four, um, and this is just one of the sites out there that we're using for this this general knowledge. You know, these aren't the absolute say all end all ratings. But uh, Bernadeschi got a six five, and those are two relatively low ratings. And I think that might show a little bit about how they were clashing heads, how they were kind of just canceling each other out about the game. Eli, anything you want to add on this?
1: Um, I think. Uh, um during the game we see a lot of the time where uh, Harrison Offal is in there and we maybe don't really notice him. But, like, there were a bunch of times where we could have seen it gone in or he made a good, like, out. That way the defense could reset and get ready for the goal and prevent it. And, like we talked about earlier, the two goals that happened, the wind caused one of them and the other one is really, like, you can't really do anything about that. And so I think generally we played really well.
0: We will get on to the goals here in a minute. Uh, how about you, Eli? Do you have a crown for us?
1: Uh, yeah, I would like to give my crown to George Martz, specifically because in this game, he seemed to have a, like, a lot of spring in him, being able to like move very quickly and compared to a lot of other goalies I've seen throughout MLS. I think that George Martz has like a really big like fire in him that's allowing him to make those really quick saves. And I think this might've been past match where the double save just there back and being able to get up and do it again within a second.
0: Uh, also, I think a really good shout out, especially in the conditions that, uh, that he was facing. Nick, thoughts on George?
2: Yeah, George, uh, you know, Tough one, of course, uh, just being able to to play with the wind as a goalie because most of your kind of general kicks, if they're trying to go long, especially that first half, they're not going anywhere. They got hung up there. Um, but as far as his, his goalkeeping and positioning, you know, I, I felt like his reactions were great, like Eli was saying. There are some spots that maybe he could have been in better positions, but, you know, other things happen too that that he's trying to – of manage and communicate so maybe somebody else was supposed to be in a certain area and that made his positioning go off so
0: all right well that's the easy one uh congratulations guys welcome to your first crown cast crown now we're going to talk about the players who maybe could have done better uh let's go I, I started with nick let's give eli the the scope here eli who would you who would you pull out a card for in this one
1: i'm gonna card nuno santos just because there was a the start of the game where if it was after st louis's first goal i think he got at least three good runs where it was him and the goalkeeper and he either put it to the side put it too far up and like given three times someone playing in the position that he is should be able to make at least one of them and should not be able to like miss all of those when it's just him and the goalkeeper
0: yeah, I think there's definitely an argument for the performance there that says you should at least be hitting the target, right? Even if, even if you're not necessarily scoring one out of three of those, you should be making the goalkeeper do some work. There are some questions on the first one, and Nick, I'll go to you for this. And that is his first one, I believe he has Kerwin Vargas out to his left mm-hmm. and makes the decision not to take the pass. Is that a time where you would say, hey, this pass is on, you have to take it? Or is that a time where you say, this guy's in front of goal, I want him to believe in himself, back himself, and take the shot?
2: Oh, I, I, think, I think you always have to make the extra pass, no matter what. Um, even if you, you want someone to have that, that fire, as Latantia was talking about, like that fire in the belly and wanting to like just go after it. Um, but I feel like the extra pass always benefits you as, as a team and as a player, because then it creates other things. Um, But I agree with Eli also about, you know, he just made some, you know, if you're going to do that, you gotta, you gotta put it on target.
0: Uh, Then let's step off because I think outside of the, the on frame problems with his shooting, I don't think he had an awful game. So let's go on to Nick and uh, who would you like to pull out a yellow card for?
2: Gosh, this is a tough one thinking about uh, – I did think about Nuno. Um, I uh, – you know, in some ways, I feel like – I'm not sure. I, I want to pull Card kind of for Capetti in some ways, but in other ways, I was like he was dealing with different things than, than he's right. normally having to do, and there was a lot of pressure on him, but he was also pulling and making openings. Um, so I, I would ahead. tell
0: you, go with your gut, whatever your gut is. <laughs> you don't have to be hundred percent. Right. This is. Yeah. I
2: don't know. Yeah. I don't know if I'm right. I just, I, I guess the expectation for Capetti is always very high now knowing what he can do. Um, knowing that how fast he is, how strong and how much, how much he, he weighs the defenders down. And so I feel like maybe we could have gotten some more service, um, from him. He had, he had, um, many lost balls um while he was he was in the front and you know holding it and he, and he lost them and i just feel like those are times he needs to keep it
0: i think it's a really good shout out um i we're going to talk a little bit later about the fact that he does some things at a really elite level and maybe we're going to ask some questions about how valuable that is but you're right i mean if you look at the general like again rating of players out of this one uh, enzo capetti has tied for the worst performance on the team and he also gets a yellow card for once again kind of that descent Enzo Capetti act that we're kind of getting used to seeing whether or not we want to continue to see that I think the coach has been pretty clear and the fans have been pretty clear we want to see this guy's skills not his acting performance uh let's talk really quick about the two goals that go in against us and I'm going to talk about these so you guys can talk about the fun ones um the one that the Olympico that goes in, I think that there was just a moment of dread across everyone watching that game. When he, when I, because it is Bernadeschi who is uh, over there getting ready to take the kick. The wind is howling into the goal. And that was the first time that from the broadcast, the casters were like, Oh, Hey, by the way, it's not just a little windy. And they panned the cameras up to the actual flags. And you could just see the flagpoles. Like, not the flags whipping. You could see the flagpoles whipping. Like, they were trying to be torn off of whatever was holding them in. Uh, And there was just this moment. And everyone I have talked to since was like, yep, this is going directly in. All he has to do is get it out there, get it up, and the wind is going to take it directly in. And sure enough, with an incredible assist from the wind, or an incredible goal by the wind with an assist from Bernadeschi, uh, the, the Olympico the reverse Olympico happens as it features. I like it much more when we score the Olympicos than when they (laughs) score Olympicos on us. And I I think that's a relatively safe statement. Nick, would you call that fair?
2: That's definitely fair. I I was hoping for one of those in the second half with our wind.
0: Um, the, The second goal they score is a little bit more finessed. It's also from a corner and the corners are really where they presented threat in this one. There is a little bit of a, I'm going to call it a drama piece. I don't think it is a big drama piece, but there's a little bit of an argument uh, over whether or not it was scored fairly. Uh, It is reviewed and there does appear to be a, a slight push on Harrison awful that pushes him outside of the way. Eli, I'm going to ask you for this one. Do you feel like it's Harrison awful's responsibility to be stronger there
1: to be Um. tight to his man or. I mean, I think that in any scenario, we are going to look back as someone viewing uh, from above and looking at this and saying, oh, well, you could have done this better. You could have done this. And especially if some people were annoyed by the ref's decision to not overturn that. But at the end of the day, the ref's job is to make sure that there is an unquestionable doubt that the call should be overturned and look. Looking back at it, I don't think that was there. Maybe he was pushing him, maybe he was keeping him out, but I don't think there's enough evidence to overturn that. And I think that in that scenario, Harrison Awful pretty much did the best he could.
0: Yeah, um, uh, I will say I might fall a little bit more and I'd expect a bit, a bit more from Offal. Not because uh, I think Offal did terribly, just because I think Offal is one of the old hands in the team. I think he's one of the most experienced guys. And I think staying touch tight on corners is one of the things that I would expect from an experienced player. I do think you make a good point in the fact that I think the, the call after the call was correct. There's not enough evidence there to say this is 100% a mistake and we need to correct it. So I think that's a really good point you bring up. Nick, I'm going to move over to you. And I'm going to ask you to tell us about Charlotte's first goal because it's a beauty. And it's way more fun to talk about than us getting scored on.
2: Yeah, it's actually reminiscent of a of a goal we scored against Nashville. I think it was the third goal we scored against them last year. Um, Lindsey had it on the right side, made a nice pass down the line. Um, we had a uh, running, and at that same time, the Petty was pulling forward and moving defenders, and basically. Josueak found the open area. Well, Bender was following behind Capetti and moved into that open space and was able to get to that right before the defender and just, just nailed in there. And like you said earlier in the, in the cast, the, the shot was going to go in. Um, it did get deflected, but it probably was going to go in anyway um, in, in the area and, and how, how strong that was because that's, that's a difficult ball for any goalie to, to snag.
0: Yeah, this is one of the things that we've seen from Ben Bender. Um, This isn't new. We know this is in his skill set. And we have talked at length on the Crown cast, and perhaps you guys have talked on uh, CLTFC cast, uh, that Ben Bender, one of his abilities is the acknowledgement of where space is on the field and the ability to be where the threat is, right? And we have seen that come in bad ways because he's not a particularly good defender. I think he's getting better. I think he's learning. But early in his career, he struggled defensively. So he would get to the danger areas and then make mistakes that then led to them having possession in danger areas. Here we see the sort of plus side of that, that football IQ, where if you watch that play back, when he gets up to the goal, when he gets up to the goal, when the play is developing, he watches as Uzriak goes in and gets up to that corner, and he holds his run. He, he's actually looking at Enzo Capetti, and then he's looking at Yuzhviak, and he watches Capetti take a man. And after Capetti takes a man, he raises his hand so Yuzhviak can see him in all the space. And then he blasts into the space. I think it's an amazing pick out by Yushviak. I think part of it is a, uh, a ball backwards through the lines is just something that is chef's kiss. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's really, really good space recognition from Bender. And then a shot that we've seen him take a couple times now. We know he can do it. Eli, thoughts on this one?
1: Um, yeah, I think Bender, even though it could be considered that it would have gone in, I think it's really good of him to like just put him in there and like just right into the goal. Like Hit it right in and just make sure that even if there was a slight chance that it wouldn't go in, completely just say, no, I'm going to go take this and then just shoots it. And then it hits the back of the net with the wind. And it's so good.
0: So. I'm going to go to Eli here for a question. And, you know, Eli, I realize you're not the old statesman here, but I've talked to you a few times. I think your knowledge of the game is pretty good. So Ben Bender is is a player who is not regularly in the team, right? He's in this one because of a couple of injuries, a suspension to Brant Bronico, a deserved suspension to Brant Bronico. Uh, He comes out with all of the good numbers. I'm going to read you just some general numbers here, right? Uh, I'll highlight Ben Bender so I actually get this correct, but uh, he has essentially the highest completed passing rate on the team with the exception of central defenders who are knocking the ball back and forth between each other. He has the most progressive passes of anyone except Bill Tuiloma, who once again is progressing passes, one pass up with no threat on him. He has the... Most take-ons offensively of any player, and he wins 66% of them. And when it comes to progressive carries, he has the highest number in the team for this. So much of our threat by the numbers comes from Ben Bender. And yet, we didn't crown him in our post-react. He was not in our crowns. And neither of you guys crowned him. And he scored a goal. (laughs) So, so what is it about Ben Bender? What do you, what do you feel he brings and what do you feel he needs to bring to, to level up?
1: So I think that he brings just like a very well-placed precision into his plane. I think he's able to make crosses really well. I think he's able to know exactly where he wants the ball and knows exactly how to put it there. And the thing that he lacks, I think, is just his endurance. I don't think that he's really ready to play a full 90 minutes continuously every week. I mean, he was subbed out right after the goal at the 70th minute, so we didn't really get to see his full-time endurance. But I think that uh, Christian Latanzio is worried that you put him in for 90 minutes every week, he might not be able to handle that.
0: That might be a really good shout out. We were talking, watching the cast about the fact that he looked like he was ready to come out when he gets pulled. Uh, Nick, there, seeing it live, did it look similar to you? Did he look about gassed?
1: He
2: looked gassed, and also I would tell you, like from after the match, I talked with him, um, and he's, you know, he was talking about first of all, he played earlier. You know, they had a mm-hmm. they had a game this past weekend, with the Crown Legacy, and so that was. Not something that he necessarily mentioned, but you know that was part of it, so he had just played. I also feel like he mentioned working on his physicality, and the game is is faster even this year and is more physical and I think last year we saw definitely the physical attributes um being overtaken from him. You could definitely tell he was not he was not ready for that part, and so I think that has been gaining, but I don't think it's enough for the entire um you know, the entire time to, to play that physical game that he would need to play where he is in that midfield, especially the way Latanzio wants them to play. And I know Eli's going to set up the second goal, but I did want to also say that that Bender did did for that second goal. You know, he, he pulled, basically, he he moved into space to allow Vargas to come in, and he mm. basically pulled a defender out. So that is also, like, little things that, we might not all see because you see Vargas making the pass and and it going in you know right there as we act but you know Bender's movement of there allowed that to happen
0: yeah well since we we're on to the second goal now Eli do you want to tell us about the second goal and we'll dive into it <laughs>
1: Yeah, so we're seeing the second goal at about the 70th minute. uh, Starts with, uh, I believe, Kerwin Vargas on the side, about maybe like at the start of the attacking third. Just a beautiful cross right into like the midfield, right where uh, Camille uh, Yuzwek is running. And then hats off to Camille Heat, completely commits himself and just is doing like a running dive feet first, knowing exactly where the ball's going to be, and he just taps it in where it might have like probably hit right outside the post, kind of like uh, Nuno Santos did before. He's able to tap that right before there and make it a goal. And hats off to him, first goal for Charlotte FC. In the presser afterward, he seemed very happy about that and was very excited. And he said all his teammates were very excited for him.
0: Yeah, it's a big moment. I mean, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw you the softball question here, uh, Eli, and that is, it's undoubtedly a big moment. Do you feel like it's a big moment that we expect to lead to more? I mean, this is a guy who, on numbers, has somewhere between 26,000 and 85 billion expected goals, and has not scored one until now. Uh, that is, of course, I'm being facetious, but he he has, by the numbers, gotten a lot of chances and finally scored a goal. Do you feel like this is Floodgates open, or do you feel like this is, hey, maybe this guy's just finally getting off the mark because he's not a finisher.
1: I mean, I think that this is only going to help him. It's only going to build his confidence. Once you've overcome that first goal, it's just more coming from there. And like you said, he has he gets into the places. He just needs to have the confidence to finish it. And I also think that with him scoring, I think um, other uh, players on the team are going to trust him more and see that, oh, uh, Camille's open. Let's pass it to him, knowing that he is someone that will now take it.
0: So, Nick, I'm going to ask you a question here, and that mm-hmm. is we've discussed before on the podcast that something that might be hurting Camille is we have not seen an effective right side of our field really ever, right? Um, probably the most effective you would say we had seen is Mackenzie Gaines. And I think Mackenzie Gaines has not been really not been firing this season. So once we started to see Kamil on one side and Kerwin Vargas on the other, with Vargas really creating threat now, right? You know, Bender's over there. Vargas is over there. Uh, threat is, is being generated and pulling defenders. All of a sudden, we start to see this, this potential next level of Kamil Yuzhviak. Do you feel like having a more balanced field is going to really aid him, or do you feel like this is a guy who really has been doing the same thing? It's just not coming off?
2: I feel like it just hasn't he's been doing it. I just feel like it 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 hasn't it hasn't transpired in the way that that we needed it. And I think a lot of it may be just we have had so much kind of turnover on that right side, so it hasn't been consistent. And maybe with him kind of coming in a little bit earlier um, than going to the line and being able to to cut in, I think that's where he's actually best is if he's on that right side and he's he's cutting in around the 18 and making something happen there towards the middle of the field. I think he has more opportunity. Even doesn't he doesn't have the left that we've seen, you know, a, a shot from there, but I think he can create more things happening. And then with Lindsay also coming on. Um, I feel like by by Zoswiak bringing it inside, then Lindsay can loop to the outside and provide more opportunity and kind of space some things out. so they don't know. they're not basically crowding the box. they They have to, to go out and and challenge Lindsay if he's going to get an outlet
0: for a cross, yeah, I think Lindsay's been transformational. Um, you know, Eli, do you want to talk on Lindsay really quick?
1: I think that we saw the beginning of. This really good period for Lindsay in Orlando. And with the way that that team was so in sync there, and I think that um, in the time that he's played since, we're seeing more of that. Uh, I think that he's very good at ball placement. I think he knows, he's very connected with the forwards and the strikers, knowing where, how they think, where they're going to be. And I think that we can expect to see a lot more of him.
0: Okay, so statistically, this is the first game that we have won by the numbers. Um, obviously, we won a game away uh, down in Orlando, where it was Orlando, right? My brain's not tripping out on yes. me. Yeah. Yes. Um, for a second there, I was like, it, it, was it Orlando? Um, Yeah, we won a game away in Orlando. But even that one, we didn't technically win by the numbers. This one, even though we draw, we have... Relatively solidly, the better attacking performance of the two teams. Uh, and I think you can see that in the difference of the two goals. But we come away with a draw. This boost in numbers, Nick, how much of it do you put down to having a midfield of Bender and uh, uh, Nuno Santos? And do you feel like those two, while maybe they don't give you the same defensive responsibility, are just capable of creating more attacking?
2: Well, I would agree with they're they're definitely capable of creating more attacking play. But I also feel like if we had a different midfield in there, so if we had Bronico and Westwood, those chances still would have been. It, it it's our system of bringing things up and and using those midfielders for those um, distributions and and kind of holding. You know, we haven't. I probably should have given a shout out to to Jones there, but like Jones has kind of bottled up that middle. That allows those other midfielders to play forward and push things, and allows those um, those defensive center backs to play a little wider, and then that allows your your uh, fullbacks to play up more. So just from that kind of one play, I feel like it helps everybody progress. I think you even shared that our um, passing lines changed from first half to second half, and you could tell that the the fullbacks were were playing not only further up the field, but that our center backs were playing wider. And I think that has to do with Jones also. But I
0: don't know if I answered your question Mm -hmm. about the midfielders, but. No, I mean, you, you bring a very good point to the table. That is, uh, I think a lot of people, myself at times included, have a lot of frustration with Derek Jones. Um, He does not pass the ball swiftly. Uh, He does not pass the ball overwhelmingly accurately. (laughs) Um, He is very good at passing the ball to the other team. And what can be easy to miss is how incredibly good at holding off that central defensive midfield he is. Um, we have talked about it on the, the podcast with what we call off the ball, Derek Jones and on the ball, Derek Jones and mm-hmm. off the ball, Derek Jones has this incredible ability to read where threat is coming and just snuff it out, right? Just absolutely take any life out of an attack that goes through the midfield. Really, really, really impressive power, um, some of the frustration we've had with Jones is that he then has trouble releasing the ball fast enough to create a counterattacking threat. And with a, a league like the MLS where a lot of danger is in transition, uh, it can, we can find ourselves being frustrated by that. Uh, Eli, anything you want to add on the midfield here or should we move on to that top man?
1: I think we can move on. I don't really have anything that hasn't been said before.
0: So uh, then we'll go with you, Eli. Uh, one of the guys who has quote-unquote the worst ratings of of the game is one we've talked about in Enzo Capetti how do you view his performance
1: um I mean as far as performance as a striker I feel like there were some times where he could have done more to try and get the ball and try and get it in the box try and make um Toronto panic try and make dangerous plays And also, unfortunately, I thought we had seen the end of Capetti getting mad at the ref almost constantly, like it's his full-time job. Um, But, yeah, we kind of saw a bit more of that, getting a yellow card. I mean, if we're winning one thing this season, it's definitely yellow cards. I think we must have had at least 30 by now. Um, Yeah, I think that Capetti really needs to step it up in terms of, um, like, getting into the box, making people um, feel panicked whenever he comes. I think that he did a really good job of that in Orlando and for the minutes of 25 to 35 in St. Louis when they seemed like he was really getting into the defenders' heads. And I think he really needs to show more of that.
0: That's a really good point you bring up about the yellow cards. And Nick, I'm going to ask you really quick because I'm not sure where I stand on it. And that is, uh, yes, please instruct me, Nick. Let me know the truth. Um, This is a team. You were in the room with me when we played uh, New York Red Bulls. And the question was asked, how do you handle a team that's there to hit you, right? And Christian Latanzio looked straight dead into the eyes of all of us and said, we'll hit them back. I mean, no pause, nothing. If you want to come after us, we're going to come after you. If you want to go for ankles, we'll take yours out just as hard. And there's a part of me that really likes that, there's a part of me that says you should never let anyone think you're a pushover. And there's a part of me that says, We do have like a million yellow cards. That's maybe not good. Where do you fall?
2: Yeah, I think part of that is he he does Latanzio doesn't want anybody on his team to back down. And I think that's what he, he really likes about Capetti is that he stands up to everything and he's aggressive and he's he's um, he's getting into the minds of the other Players and being very physical. So I think he really enjoys that part. Of course, he doesn't like the, the um, the arguing and the 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 just the back and forth with with the officiating, but and the complaining. But I feel like uh, you know he he needs Capetti needs to play, as Eli said, more on his feet. Like he showed that one game after Latanzio made a big deal. There was instances where he was he was being tripped, he was being kicked at, and he just stayed up and he just kept going. And I think we need to see more of that. I also feel like maybe you all mentioned this earlier that Capetti might need a wingman. I feel like he's good in in going forward, but with his back to the goal, he he probably needs someone else to help him create there because he's kind of in a silo there a lot of times if he does have his back, and we don't have. Distribution coming from him that much um, to those other players. So I feel like if we had someone closer, not necessarily too up front, but someone that would be able to play closer and would help distribute to him, or him being able to have somebody just to to kind of kick back to when he has it, because he's not a he's not a turn and shoot guy. Um, so I feel like that that part of our game we might still need to evolve with him and finding how to best use him.
0: Yeah, that's a really interesting point, because he does win a lot of those aerial duels, those long balls over the top. He manages to muscle people off really well. Um, He likes a flick around the corner. I've noticed this. He likes to pull like a fancy heel flick around the corner, and unfortunately, those are usually to no one. Mm -hmm. Uh, he, He seems to win the duel, but not to a space that it can be retained. And if you have ever played this game in your life, you will have had a coach yell at you, regain, retain, regain, retain, regain, retain. People say it different ways, but that's, that's it. And the, the retaining from that ball over the top is maybe a question. One of the things that I think we should highlight, because I think a lot of stuff didn't go right for Capetti in this one is how good his runs are off the ball. Um, he makes a lot of pressure on defenses. He's the type of guy who, you know, when you, you come in as a player, you look at the guy in your space, you look him in the eyes and go, all right, you and me today, buddy, we're going, see if you can keep up. And Enzo Capetti almost has a way of looking at the whole back line and being like, it's me versus all of y'all, right? Mm-hmm. Whoever thinks you can keep up with me, try, I dare you. And I like that. I like that it opens up space. I think he's a, a run that opens up space for both of our two goals. Um, I have trouble with the question of how much value do I put on that? So Nick, I'll go back to you on this one. These off the ball runs are a factor in both of our goals and they consistently cause defenses worry. How much value are you putting in these runs? And, you know, is it is it everything we need out of this guy and we just need to figure out more ways up to him? Or is there maybe a little bit too much focus on fighting the defense and not enough focus on getting the goal?
2: Well, there's definitely too much... Focus on fighting the defense and not getting the goal. But on the other hand, yes, we do need him to do that because it is going to create more space, just like we saw in the goal. Like, it's going to create double teams. They're not going to leave him by himself at all at any time. So what that's want to do, it's going to open up space for other players. So now can we learn where he's going to be and where he's going to pull people and fill those areas so that way we can, we can use those spaces to get easy goals?
0: Yeah. Uh, Eli, thoughts on this?
1: Um, I just want to go back to the yellow cards for a second because uh, I just looked it up. So um, any player that accumulates three yellow cards within a season will get suspended for the next preceding game. I feel like our entire team might get suspended at some point. because oh, yeah. like we're racking out like six yellow cards a game. Eventually we're going to get, I mean, has Copetti is bound to have gotten three by now?
0: I do not know how many he has off the top of my head. I'm sure there's a stat out there that I did not prepare that will tell me. I mean, I know it's out there. I just haven't seen it. But you're right. We probably do have to worry about later in the, in the season being worried about players not being available due to the yellow card stackups. Uh, I'm going to move on. And, Nick, I'm going to go to you and ask. You were there. You were in the wind. Uh, you, you saw the game live. Tell us about the experience in Toronto. You know, how many Charlotte FC fans made it out? Was it actually as windy as it looked? And what was the feeling like winning the game almost by making it a, a comeback for two goals in the second half?
2: Yeah, it was, it was a really neat experience. Um, nice stadium. BMO Field is really, really a cool place. Um, and they're expanding that. Um, they had about 22 thousand fans there and they were all dressed in their their warm clothing of course i was freezing um thank goodness i was in that press box most of the time but when i was on the field uh, i will say that that wind was definitely like even at you know field level it was pulling everything like my you know my little badge or whatever was like falling over my face all different ways so it was swirling um that wind was was very tremendous and that stadium is right by by the lake, so it definitely gets some um, some different wind effects there just from being there, too. Uh, the, it was kind of rainy up until the match time. Sun appeared for a little bit, but basically it just was getting colder and windier. Um, as far as coming back, I think this, to me, like this is the kind of stuff I, I look at as, as a team who's building and growing. First of all, three, three straight occurrences where we got points. Um, we came back from on the road. Yeah, we let up some goals, but how do you respond? You know, as a coach and as a, as a fan, I want to see how we respond at home, at a way. You know, what are those things when we're down, what do we do to make things happen? And I feel like this is just one of those you, you chalk up and say, all right, we know now we can come back, but we also know that we can't let them score early. I think we've let up, you know, 40% of almost 40% of our goals have been um, by the potion has been in the first, you know, 15, 20 minutes. So I know that's something we need to work on, but I feel like being there and coming back and the, the crowd was loud, you know, it wasn't, wasn't obnoxious. There was, you know, they were standing and cheering the whole time and it was, you know, the supporter section is pretty loud on, on that um, one end there. Uh, but, it was it was a neat experience. It was, it was nice to see a match in another place and experience what the fans were going through, but they were definitely there. Now, as far as our Charlotte fans, they were scattered. I would say I saw maybe a handful, and they were just, yeah, we came up just for the match. You know, we made a weekend out of it.
0: So. It, it, it is amazing how many of the Charlotte fans do manage to travel to relatively far locations. You know, like, uh, you know, oh, Orlando is a fair ways away, but it's down to warm weather. And, you know, it's not a terrible day trip. Uh, Toronto is not an easy place to get to. And it's not exactly like you're going there for a summer holiday where you happen to also watch a football match. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, it it is kind of amazing what the fans uh, show out for. You talk about this, this fight back. And I don't think anyone will be surprised when I tell you that we did not have particularly good stats in the first half. I don't think I'm shocking anyone with that knowledge. We got pinned into our box. We gave away goals. Not great. That fight back to the end, I'm just going to read you off some, some stats here. Uh, expected goals, 0.85 for Toronto to 1.56 for Charlotte FC. Uh, so we, we win that on XG by a significant margin, double. Um, total shots. 10 to 13 in favor of Charlotte uh, FC. So all in the second half, we managed to respond and then some big chances. We had two big chances to their one. Um, Yeah. All in the second half. Well, that's not true. I think one of our big chances was in the uh, first half that Nuno Santos, Mm -hmm. but uh, passing percentage is 80% to 77% all in the second half. Uh, We, we took a lot of these stats in that fight back. Eli, what do you feel like is attributing to this ability that we're suddenly developing to fight back in games?
1: Um, I think that it's really just um, to prove ourselves to the league. I think that um, going into the season, especially with um, the loss of Anton Watts and um, with other people in the media predicting that Charlotte would not maybe do so well. I think that like a lot of big uh, like sports pundits were predicting that we'd be 13th, which I think is what we are right now, but that's not the point. Um, (laughs) um, I think that it's just like, we want to prove that we're better than last year. And I think the, one of the first things that Antonio said in the presser afterwards is we would not have won, We would not have been able to tie this game last year. We would have been done for after the first half. That was just not something that they were really able to do at this point in the season last year, and I think that shows growth a lot with the team.
0: So I'm going to jump ahead a little bit here, and we're going to talk very briefly about the upcoming match in Real Salt Lake. And politely spoken, Real Salt Lake is not a great team. Um... They have three goals on the year. They have allowed 13 goals. Uh, They have one win, I believe. Yes, they have one win. uh, And their goals have not been super impressive. Um, Their leading scorer is a defender who has two goals. And to my knowledge, none of their forwards have scored. No one is a soft touch in the professional league, right? Everybody can show up on their day but Nick for you with this sort of form that we're we're building into this real Salt Lake team that is quite frankly floundering at the moment is this a really good time to get these guys to go away where they're not in the pressure of the bank where you know they have the the ability to go to a team they know defensively even if they make one or two mistakes isn't going to be that big of an issue and maybe we can go and really let our attack try and fire
2: yeah, I think it is good timing to have another road match uh, to be able to just build off of what just happened, especially the the second half. I think you, we are catching RSL at at a time that they still have injuries. They have played some some quality teams. So if you look at the teams that they have lost to, they lost four straight. But they lost to Seattle, they lost to St. Louis, they lost to Austin, and they lost to Columbus. All are like top five in in each conference. So it's not not because of the quality of teams they are playing that they, you know, they should have lost those games, Um, but they're losing pretty badly. And the offense is, is as Eli uh, was sharing earlier with me, their offense is taking many shots. Like they're not being outshot. It's just their quality is not there. And so I feel like they have a golden opportunity here to get three points, even though uh, it's a tough place to play from what I hear and real salt lake and their high pressing team um but most high pressing teams don't like to be high pressed so we'll see
0: so eli it seems like you've done a little bit of looking into real salt lake thoughts on this upcoming game and what would you be looking for
1: well, I'm going to be watching Real Salt goalie pretty much the entire time that the camera is pointed at him. He seems like the type of person that is not able to react as quickly as maybe one would see a goalie. I believe he's one of their academy players. So, I mean, that's not really what he's supposed to be doing right now. He's still supposed to be, like, developing so we shouldn't really hold them that against him as a player, but as someone who's rooting for the opposing team, I love to see that in the opposing team's goalie. And I think that there were a lot of times in both the Columbus and uh, St. Louis games that uh, a shot was taken from outside the box or like uh, on one of the sides where... Um, for instance, Mars would probably have an easy time of getting that, where it's not doing pretty really fast. It's just going in there from bit, and so I think that if we are able to incorporate our speed onto um, Real Salt Lake, I think that'll be a really big advantage because I don't think that they're very fast reacting. I think that they try to rely more on their midfield, less of their defenders and goalie to uh, keep the ball away.
0: Awesome. So I'm going to go and just for time's sake, we're going to start to move along here. Uh, Nick, I'm going to ask you, uh, because you're being very kind and joining us on the Crowncast today, but people can listen to your voice on another podcast. Uh, well, they can also listen to Eli's voice on another podcast. Okay, Nick. So I'm going to do, I'm going to flip the script on you a little bit and I'm going to interview you for a second. How did you actually get into doing this?
2: Well, I, uh, I'm not a big premiere fan. Uh, I grew up when I was I was young enough when the the MLS first started and my team was D.C. United because I lived there. Um, But now living in the Charlotte and I lived in South Carolina area, didn't really have an MLS team. So when Charlotte announced this, I was like, you know what? I want to I want to go all in. And I was like, how can I do this? And also thinking about I went to University of South Carolina and I was in sports marketing. And sports management and a lot of what I was learning as a as a college student was the business of sports and so I was always very interested in that so I thought you know what why don't I you know highlight these people because I think they're fascinating just as much as the, the players and especially since it's a new franchise you know do people really understand and know all that's going on um, at a match you know all the people that are involved all the people that that work in the media. So I feel like that's why I decided to, hey, I'll have a podcast and we'll get some people to talk about these and kind of explain this. And so that's kind of how it started and just decided just to, to start it up and see what happens.
0: That's awesome. Um, you, if you'd like to check out uh, the Charlotte FC podcast, I would encourage you to do so somewhat selfishly, because uh, I'm going to be jumping on with you guys for one of your upcoming episodes. So if you'd like to learn a little bit more about how I got into the uh, Charlotte soccer world, uh, you'll be able to check that out. One more time, can you give everyone your social handles so they can find you and hopefully hear, hear me get to talk to you guys there?
2: All right, it's the CLTFC podcast on Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram.
0: And we are going to go ahead and wrap it up. So as ever, if you have decided to spend this time with us, we love you. Uh, You can find us out there at the crowncast, crowncast crowncast.net. You can find us on Instagram at the underscore crown underscore cast. And we will talk to you again after we go get our next three points from Real Salt Lake. Goodbye. Network.com.